Today we're in the, in the final part of our little mini-series about living in, in the life of um, discipleship in the light of Easter. And we've been looking at that triangle picture of the up in and out, up, how we uh, have a, a devotion to God as followers of Jesus and as a church. Um, in, as we have a devotion to one another uh, uh, as individuals in a church, to, to be a community that cares and welcomes and blesses. And today it's out, so we're thinking about what it means to have a heart for the world, and particularly for the city in which God's placed us. And uh, I'm just going to read to you um, a little verse from the book of Jonah. And I love the book of Jonah. It's inserted there in the Minor Prophets, bringing a so different perspective where lots of the, the kind of Minor Prophets are really angry with the nations around uh, Judah and Israel as they've experienced the devastation of Jerusalem. And here the, the prophet Jonah um, has gone to, to prophesy against Nineveh and to speak judgment to it. And um, he's a little bit unsure whether it's actually going to happen because he thinks, maybe God, you're a bit more merciful than I am. And, um, and, and he's waiting for the uh, judgment to fall on Nineveh, perhaps. It's hot. He's looking at the city and a plant grows up and it shades him. And then in the night, the plant withers and he's really, really angry and upset. And this is what God says to Jonah through that picture. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though it did not, you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. It's a little bit of a glimpse in the Old Testament of something that Jesus is going to um, explain in, in the New Testament in the context of the Good Samaritan story. You know, that actually when we're called to love God with all our heart and mind, that's the up. And to love our neighbor as ourselves, it's easy for us to think the neighbor is the people like me, the people in my family, the people in my church, if you're Jewish, the people in our nation. But Jesus expands that and Jonah says that, that God's heart is for everyone. It's for the whole of creation. People and animals, actually. Animals get a good look in there, don't they? And um, actually, one of the things that we believe um, as followers of Jesus is that we have a call from God, actually, to bless our city. To partner with the Holy Spirit in seeking the blessing and good of our city. In fact, to see the transformation of Bristol, to see Bristol transformed by the love and power of God, to see as much of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God, can we, can we do this? Can we in our time? And part of what we're, we're called to be as, a, as a, the Woodland Church family is to, have, to be a city church, to be here to bless our city. And of course, that blessing the city isn't just something that we do because it's right to do. It's something much more significant than that. First of all, it's a, it's a physical demonstration of the invisible love of God. We're God's agents, God's hands and feet. So we're here there, not just to proclaim with words, but with actions that God is good, God is for you. How are you going to understand the goodness of God? Where people in his name do, do the blessing things that he wants to come into your life. So it's a real authentication of our message as well as part of the message itself. And Tim, um, who's been in the city a long time, uh, called really to the city in many ways just to work uh, initially with people not yet part of 
God's family. I'm just going to just flesh out a little bit more of this whole idea of what it means for us to be people who are devoted to loving our city and region. So I'll hand over to you, Tim, straight away. Thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, that... Um, I'll just make this a bit higher. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to bend over a little bit, but uh, I'll stay as straight as I can. Um, yeah, that, that little catchphrase that's probably what we feel God's called us to, uh, transforming Bristol with the love and power of God. Um, I think that's, when I first moved to the city, I first met Rob, actually that was something that just captured my heart. I, I, I love Jesus, I know what he's like, I know what he achieved on the cross, I, I, I knew what it was to be in a, a church family and to know that kind of sense of in, of, of being connected, of, of being uh, in a community of love, but I just knew that this good news was not just to be kept for me personally, not just to be kept for us as Christians, I knew it was something that was supposed to be changing the world in which we lived. And so joining this church and, and to know that there was the vision to say, how can we uh, be out? How can we take this good news of Jesus and see our whole city transformed with the love and the power of God? How can we be someone that's not just concerned about running good services and having lovely times of worship and, and teaching one another the Bible well? But how can we be people that truly say we're going to influence our city for the kingdom of God? Our city that does have challenges. It has challenges that are economical and financial challenges. It has challenges that are to do with kind of social deprivation. It has challenges to do with its history and of, of how the, the funding, the finances. It has all kinds of challenges. But we know that we're here to transform the city of Bristol with the love and power of God. And I suppose our invitation from Dave and myself this morning is, are you up for that as well? When I moved here, I thought, I'm definitely up for that. Are you up for praying for our city? Um, when God's people were taken to Babylon, Jeremiah says uh, these, uh, this, this encouragement to be praying, praying for the city. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which you've been carried into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you also will prosper. Now you might think, what a strange prayer. Babylon was kind of evil. It was wicked. It was kind of, Babylon was this kind of, kind of it, it stood for the, the, the powers of humanity and all the, the impressiveness of humanity. But there was something about when you're there, you're, you've been taken, it's against your will. Actually, the, this city isn't particularly a wonderful city. But actually, when you're there, pray for it. Pray for its prosperity. Now, prosperity is not just to do with pray for its finances, pray for its employment situation. Actually, it's pray that it thrives how God always intended humanity to thrive. This idea of shalom, shalom which wasn't just individualistic peace and quiet, actually it was a sense, here's a community that's working as God always intended community to work. A society that values those that are poor and marginalized. A society that puts uh, love and dignity and, and justice above finances. Actually pray for a city that does those kind of things. Because if, that kind of, if, if they prosper, actually you're part of the infrastructure that makes up this city. And if the city changes, actually life will change for you too. And so I've just got three kind of quick little things that I want to say to ask you uh, this morning. If you're someone who's part of the church community here, are you up for taking this good news that we found to change our city? 
Actually, you may be here as a guest and a visitor, and you might think, oh, how, how conceited of these Christians to think that they've got the answer. Well, we've got something. Actually, we've got something. And if we've got something we feel is important, surely we should take the opportunity to let other people know that we love and we care for our city that we love and care for know. So here's three things about out. The first thing about out is that it's out with the gospel. It's we need to take the gospel out. It's how do we see the uh, the gospel is uh, it's a religious word, but it just means good news. Actually, if you've got some good news, do you keep it to yourself or do you like to tell good news? Actually, good news is worthwhile sharing, isn't it? If you've got good news, if someone's had a, a, a baby in the family or it's somebody's kind of uh, 60th birthday, actually, good news is, is, is made for sharing. And we found something about Jesus. And Jesus is the person, we've just been singing, haven't we? Jesus is the person who came to our life to rescue, to, to free, to heal, to restore, to redeem, actually to turn a broken world back to rights. Actually, if we truly believe that Jesus is good news, then surely that's something that's worthwhile sharing. It should be something that we're out there telling our friends and our neighbours and our work colleagues. Again, not in a, a harsh, kind of um, indignant, kind of uh, conceited way, but genuinely sharing. Actually, we found something that's so true. We've just been singing about the name of Jesus. In, in Acts chapter 4, it says this. There is salvation There is salvation in no, uh, no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. I, I wonder if you have the same feeling, the same conviction, the same certainty as those first followers of Jesus had. They'd encountered Jesus and they were certain that there's actually there's no other name, the powerful, the wonderful name of Jesus. There's no other name by which people can be rescued from a broken, dying, uh, dark world. And they were convinced of that. And they were convinced of that so much that they would, they would preach and they would get arrested and they would get beaten up. And, and someone like Paul, he was so convinced that, that Jesus is the person that humanity has been waiting for. Jesus is the person that, that can reintroduce us to knowing our Heavenly Father. Jesus is the one that can break the power of darkness and depression and strongholds of, and the evil in society. They were so convinced that, that someone like Paul would travel the whole of the Mediterranean just telling people about Jesus. He would spend a couple of years in, in a city called Ephesus, a city that was a third of a million, just a little bit smaller than Bristol. And he was there and he would tell people about Jesus. In fact, when he um, meets the leaders of the church... Um, as he's traveling back to Jerusalem, he kind of, he, he says this to them about the time when he was there and he was preaching, he was telling them about Jesus. He says this, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would have helped you, uh, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have their faith in the Lord Jesus. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Here was Paul for this great city. And he said, I've not hesitated to let anybody know in public and from house to house, Jesus is such an amazing, special, wonderful person. Actually, I, and he's the one that can rescue you from dying a, a meaningless death. And 
here he says, I've preached publicly from house to house who Jesus is, what he's done. And I know for many of you, your lives have been transformed as a consequence for the good. And I wonder whether we have the same confidence as we're hearing about Alpha and Rachel was saying about taking a postcard with you. I wonder if we have the same confidence that, do I believe it's true? What's going to sort out this world is not inequality in finance. It's not sorting out social deprivation. It's not sorting out racial injustice, however evil all those things are. Actually, what is going to sort that out is Jesus. He's the one who can transform hearts one at a time. And I wonder if in our out, I wonder if we've got that same sense of um, this is true. As a church, we want to try and help one another to share the good news of Jesus. And one of the, the challenges particularly we felt uh, from doing, those of you who are part of the church here, we're now doing a strategic review, is we, we feel that actually there's a real challenge around youth. If you include uh, bits of um, South Gloucestershire, in the city of Bristol, there's 90,000 uh, children and young people. Um, actually, most of those have no meaningful connection with church. 90,000, 90,000 children with, with no meaningful connection with church. Now, the reality is, if you were to do a poll of people even in a church like this, 84% uh, uh, of adults in church today made a decision to follow Jesus before they're 18 years old. Now, if there's only maybe 1% or 2% of that 90,000 that got any meaningful connection with church, and most people who are in church today have become Christians when they were, when they were a child or a youth, Actually, there's, a, there's something that needs to change. Actually, there's something that we as a church feel, actually, we've got to step up our game. So here's a generation that not only did they not know about Jesus, but some of the kind of the pressures around mental health and some of the challenges around social media. Actually, the good news of Jesus has to be for a younger generation, which is why you may, may have noticed that uh, we've just decided to um, uh, uh, increase our youth uh, staff team. We're going to actually try, uh, try and appoint four new youth workers for the Woodlands Church family. Um, uh, we, we feel that actually the, the, the challenge and the stakes are so high around taking the good news of Jesus to uh, young people within our city and within our churches that we need to put some of our money and, and invest in our staff team. So we'd love you to pray. Actually, if you know of anybody who's a youth worker looking for a job, uh, maybe someone in another town, do forward on that, that information because we really do want to invest in our young people. So it's just the first thing is how are we those who are taking the good news of Jesus in a multicultural, diverse society, not in a conceited, arrogant way, but in a faith-filled confidence, Jesus is the one who rescues, who heals, who saves. And are you up for being part of the out, taking the good news of Jesus out to your workplace, to the places you meet, to see the city transformed with the love and power of God? The second thing is out to the margins. I totally believe that God's kingdom is to do with righteousness, which is to do with our relationship with God. But Paul says it's to do with peace, with shalom, which is kind of to do with our relationship with in, in society. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also love your neighbors as yourself. So how do we see a city transformed with the love and power of God? Actually, we have got to see social action that confronts uh, injustices 
that goes and works uh, with uh, the margins of our society. Actually, we have to be people that have a real concern for those who are oppressed, those who are poor, those who are disadvantaged, those who this is, whose society is left at the bottom of the pile. Paul says this um, about kind of this mandate from the Jerusalem church. He says they, this in Galatians 2 verse 10. They, all they asked was that we would continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I've been eager to do all along. Remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do all along. Here's Paul, and we associate Paul with, with preaching about Jesus Christ. We associate Paul with someone who is declaring that Jesus is the only one who can bring salvation and redemption. But he says here, actually, but, but I, I, we have to be moved with compassion. We have to be moved with tenderness towards the poor. And in one way, as a church, I think, how are we going to see a city transformed? Well, it is with declaring who Jesus is, but it is working with compassion. Andrew Street, who's part of our church family here, um, was saying a few months ago about how it's like a jigsaw puzzle. I don't know if you've ever tried doing a jigsaw puzzle and whether you have a strategy. Uh, if I do a jigsaw puzzle, I'll, stra I'll start with the edges. <laughs> you, you start with the edges and then you fill in. And actually, I think there's something with the gospel reaching for the poor. Actually, we start with the edges. How are we going to see a city transformed? Actually, you may think, well, let's start with the people of power. Let's start with, let's see if we can get the, the people who, who are le leading kind of the NHS and the police and the, uh, the council. If we get all those people being Christians, then if we start from the place of power, we can see Bristol changed. And I'm not sure if that's the way God's kingdom works. I think sometimes it starts at the margins. When Jesus came, the first place he didn't go was to the palaces. Actually, it was to the poor to the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the, the little, little crowd of ten lepers who were marginalized from society. He put his arms around them, called them by name, healed them. And, and Jesus was very much on the margins. And I think for us, that is part of what we should be doing. Actually, we, we should be doing this, which is why, even for things like the noise, uh, this weekend, I've got, there's a few photos here from yesterday. Uh, and, uh, and for the noise, this weekend, there has been uh, 700 volunteers from 47 different churches uh, have been out in the city, uh, in some of the, the, the parts of the communities that are the most, uh, yeah, maybe they're not the most financially affluent parts of our city. Actually, we've been going to situations. I went into one house yesterday, um, and you think, how does somebody in Bristol live in a house like this? Uh, I walked through the house, and there's no carpets on the floor. He was a bit of a hoarder. He was a widower. His, his wife had died, and he was just trying to cope with life. And uh, and you walk through, and there was human excrement on the floor, and and the garden, which is so awful. And you just think, actually, how is this happening? How is this happening in our city? How is it happening in our city that people can't feed their children? How is it happening in this city that there's people from other countries who have had to flee for their lives, and actually they're living in hotels with no proper living and cooking facilities. How is that happening in our city? And there's something about the good news of Jesus going to the margins. Of course we've got to be there. Of course we've got to be motivated by the poor. The noise is just one weekend which, which maybe opens the doorway for us to see parts of the city that we've never seen before. But we know that as people that love Jesus, we have to see our city transformed which is why 
we'd love everybody to be involved in some way caring for the marginalized, caring for the poor. Actually, I know for some of you, you very generously give your money to projects, which is fantastic. But actually, there is something about um, once a month, I help at the, at Southmead at the food bank. And there is something about sitting down with a cup of tea as you're handing out, as you're preparing food, and, and talking to somebody and hearing their story, and actually encountering and being alongside the poor. Actually, there's something of actually tactically, physically being there with the poor that actually changes your heart. And I wonder whether, how many of you have sat down with somebody who might be on the margins in the last month, had a conversation, found their name, a little bit of their story, an opportunity for the love and the tenderness of Jesus to somehow to touch them, offer some practical help, offer a, a prayer, offer maybe a word of encouragement. Actually, there's something about the out. We don't want it to stay within these four walls. Of course we should be out there at the margins, caring for the poor. But you might say, well, how, do, how are we going to see that happening at Woodlands? And, and I suppose the last thing I would say is this, is that we do believe in out, but it has to be together in unity. Actually, I, I have known people who've been so moved by compassion that just individually they've, they've gone out to try and, and care for a really quite hostile, dark situation. And in the end, maybe they've been slightly gobbled up by the experience. Whereas if we do things together, there's a real power in doing something in unity together. Which is partly why for us at Woodlands here, actually we, do, we have partnered with all kinds of organizations across the city. Here's just a few that I've put on a slide here of, of some of the, if you look on our website, uh, church website on, on uh, how to get involved and go for social action. Actually, here's some of the, the food bank, beloved, working with uh, those women who are working in the sex industry in, in parlors. Um, Spring of Hope, again, working with women uh, in hope that does all kinds of things with homelessness. Uh, TLG, TLG, again, there's people within the congregation here that would spend an hour just once a week working with a child who's on the way out of education, who's finding kind of life such a hard, and they coach them and, and spend time with them. Home for Good that supports those who are in fostering and adoption. At Bristol Soup Run, uh, Dave uh, Cousins, who's part of the church here, he uh, runs the Bristol Soup Run, and, and uh, two nights a month, uh, Woodlands are responsible for taking sandwiches and soup uh, down to the homes of Bristol. Actually, you might love to get involved with something like that. Urban Pursuits does a, a, a fantastic work with, with children who've been excluded from, from school, and uh, again, this threat of kind of where, where might their life end up. There's so many great projects but it's in unity. They're not kind of Woodlands projects, but actually for many of those things, you'll find that there's people from Woodlands Church who are involved. And if you would love to connect, go on the website, find information, sign up, uh, drop me, if, if you can't find on, if it's too hard to find the website, drop me a little message, tim.dobson at Woodlands Church. I'd love to connect you with one of these groups who are out there showing the love and compassion and tenderness of Jesus in our city for people facing need in our city. So as we finish and as we take a chance to pray, I think COVID left lots of people feeling a little bit kind of drained, a little bit kind of our reserves were a bit low. Uh, we were slightly on the defensive, looking after ourselves. I think just hunkering down, looking after yourself, in the end of the day, doesn't do anybody any favors. I don't think it does you any favors. And it certainly doesn't do our city any favours. There's something about, do you feel that sense of motivation to, I want to be part of this vision to see 
the city of Bristol transformed with the love and power of God. If you do, there's good news about Jesus to share. If you do, there's kindness and compassion to show in social action. If you do, there's a chance to pray, like on Tuesday mornings, here to pray for our city. But I wonder if the worship, as the worship band come to the front, I wonder if we could all just stand. Oh, sorry. Uh, let's, let's, let's stand together. And um, as we stand, just uh, maybe a little moment to say for uh, ourselves... With the challenges maybe you're facing, they might be challenges around health or money, but actually, God, I want to be part of seeing this city changed. Well, for each of us here this morning, I pray you'd work in our hearts and help us, I pray, to see our city changed.